Welcome to the Fire and Earth Podcast with your hosts, Jason Mefford and Kathy Gruber. Fire and Earth, giving you the keys to unlock your limitless potential. Welcome to another episode of the Fire and Earth Podcast. I'm your co-host, Jason Mefford. And I'm Kathy Groover, and we are so excited to have another guest on, a very dear friend of mine. I've known her for a while now. One of my favorite people, Nicole Garrett. Woohoo! Hey, Yay. Nicole, thanks for being hey. here. Hey, it's good to be here. Good, good, good. So, just wanted to tell everyone who you are, what you do, how you got to this point, uh, all that good stuff, and we'll launch from there. All right. Well, as you said, I'm Nicole Garrett, and I'm a presentation skills coach. And I started this business a couple years ago, and I'll give you the, the background as quickly and efficiently as I can. Um, I spent my teenage years and most of my adult life immersed in the performing arts. I earned a degree in theater. I worked as a professional actress and singer and I became a director and an educator. And long story short, I moved out West. I came out West for a show and then I wound up staying here and, um, and then I basically traveled living out West from gig to gig because I found myself in Jackson Hole and not being able to work as an artist in Jackson Hole. And I was on the road working a lot and somebody called me to come back to Jackson Hole and direct a show. And I met my husband and the man who's now my husband and was also really fortunate that two of my friends, Broadway musicians, were living out here and I was able to work with them. And all of that came to a grinding halt just a couple years into my marriage when my accompanist developed a glioblastoma and he died of brain cancer. And I literally found myself at a crossroads. Here I was as an artist living in Jackson Hole with no one to really work with. So fast forward a couple months, I went to New York with my husband. He works in tech and I attended a conference with him and I, I went to a couple of the presentations and I was sitting in the audience of these presentations and I found myself diving into my bag and pulling out a notebook and a pen and taking notes feverishly on everything the presenter was doing that I could have helped him do better. And I walked out of the building that day and I said to my husband, I have found my next chapter and I am not kidding you. The doors literally flew open that day. I reached out to a friend. I told him about my new career change. And he said, oh, you got to call this person in New York and this person. And I did. And I met with him like that week and it, everything just unfolded. And here we are today. The rest is history. Well, it's, it, it's funny when you say that, right? Because I mean, all of us are speakers. And, and, I, and I remember that, um, you know, you reaching in your bag, pulling out your notebook and starting to take notes. It's like, it, when, when we're sitting in conferences, right? It, if you're a speaker, you take notes, but it's not the same notes everybody else has taken, right? And so it's like, you can look around, you can look around, right? And it's like, okay, those are the people that are here to learn. Yeah. And oh, there's another one, there's another yeah. one, there's another one, right? Because we're taking notes about different things at different times, like, oh, 
I liked how he brought that story into it. Oh, that was good imagery. Ooh, that was I like a really how, strong cross, right? I, uh, yeah, that was that was really great. Stop Ooh, flipping your looking, hair. Stop yeah. flipping your hair. <laughs> Why no, are you yeah. reading your PowerPoint? What, Will you stop with the disfluencies already? If I, I hear another um. No. Oh, there's a great callback, you know, to, to something that was at the beginning, right? So so it's it's interesting and it's um, you know, it's a it's a fascinating business anyway right so i mean it's it's great that like you said the doors just flew open for you yeah um you know when you decided that that's what you needed to do right and and so whew. well and what's so funny is first of all i love all the pivots you know you find yourself at that crossroads and you're like ah and you just being open to the next thing and finding yourself in a completely seemingly unrelated situation made the choice of ooh, i know what i'm gonna do and what's funny is I sat in a conference in Vegas, my very first like big conference for naturopaths. And I was take, taking notes on the content. And then this woman was speaking and I was like, what does she do? And I started taking on one side of the paper, I'd take notes on her. And yeah. on the other side of the paper, I took notes on the content. And I had the exact same thought as you, except I turned to my friend next to me and went, I should be up there doing that. Wow. So even though I was a director, I was an act, we have the same, I've got a BFA in theater. You know, we kind of went yeah. the same route on that. I looked up there and went, I want to get up there. And you said, I want to fix that. So I love that we sat in the pretty much the same situation yeah. and, and looked at it from two different perspectives. I, I absolutely love that. So the three of us were on stage. We know what we're doing. You coach people to do that. I coach people to do that. Jason's the best speaker in the world. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I've it, never it, seen it, him actually speak, but I don't know. But <laughs> it's funny because, you know, my, my background has been in such technical areas, internal mm. audit, risk management, compliance, really okay. sexy, exciting things. Right. So, mm -hmm. so you go to those conferences and it is literally, those you know, are people, sexy and exciting things, by the way, people read. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I'm glad somebody, I'm just trying to bring the sexy to uh, those, those areas. Right. Cause most of the time it's just somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I know and all of a sudden you know Justin's going in my head anyway all right here we go but uh <laughs> but it's it's so boring most of the time because it's like listening to a professor give a lecture and now on the next slide mm -hmm. we have blah 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 right and and that's not how people learn too right and so again it's that that whole idea of bringing something that's different to actually help people learn and actually connect with them as a human mm -hmm. that so many people that are speakers don't actually do they're talkers they're not speakers so interesting to hear you say that i mean even this this week i have worked with three new clients who are clearly so in their head about the content and what they're going to say that they don't understand the importance of the relationship with the audience and connecting with the audience and speaking with the audience and listening to the audience. And I find time and time again, that really is where a big roadblock occurs that they are caught up so much in mm -hmm. what do I say? How good is it gonna be? It has to be perfect, da da da, that they're missing the point that your audience is 50% of the conversation that you're having. And without them, there's no presentation to yeah. be had. Absolutely. Right? Well, and this is why I've had people say, how do you memorize that whole thing? Okay, I don't memorize it. I'm telling stories. Yeah. And it doesn't matter what order I do it in, unless you know I start a story and then I turn the PowerPoint on and it's the wrong slide. But it's like, use, use the PowerPoint as a 
key to get you to the next thing. But I remember standing, you know, I was in speaker training, which was ridiculous because I knew more than the woman teaching it, but I was in speaker <laughs> training and this, this woman memorized her talk word for word. And when mm. I've seen people memorize word for word, as if it's a term paper, it ends up being a nightmare because yeah. they get to a certain, they get to a certain, and they can't remember their line. Get, well, it's yeah, like, it's not like it's in acting where you can go line yeah. and you do the retake, right? <laughs> story. I mean, I remember a woman having to read, I went to nursing school in 1992 to 19, it's like, you don't know where you went to, put the paper down, you know? So there's you know, all these, these tips and things that we could do. What, what are the biggest pitfalls after the getting in your own head thing? What are the biggest pitfalls you see with people who need to be speakers or want to be speakers that you help with? If I'm thinking right now, just from my experience this week, working with people who, who are working in corporate or executive directors working in nonprofits, actually, it is the lack of preparation. Oh. Um, yeah. Now, on the flip side, there are a couple of people who way over prepare, right? Like you said, memorizing a word for word, line for line. But that lack of preparation, when you don't have a lot of experience standing up in front of a group of people, I think can really actually cause trouble for the speaker. Mm. You know, someone like you, Kathy, who it's your, it's what you do. You speak to audiences. So you've got that ingrained in you and it's, it's a natural part of you. But with people that don't have a lot of experience, I don't think they understand. It's not that you have to, you know, work for 10, 12 hours on, on a three minute presentation, but understanding how to prepare properly for it. And that really is dependent on yeah. the person who's giving the presentation, I think. So for how do you prepare proper? I mean, pick a random person. How would you recommend they prepare for a three minute presentation? Good question. It's a random person. Uh, the, let's see here. The, one of the people that I worked with yesterday has a, a three minute pitch, really terrified of public speaking, but is taking chances and doing it has her material laid out in front of her. Right. Okay. That's how she has prepared. I, I don't want to take that away from her. At the same time, we spent our, we spent time having her focus on again, who are you talking to? What are you saying to them? How are you connecting with them? Right. Mm -hmm. what, and I found in her content, it was very, very intellectual study show data, 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 mm. data. Where's like you said, where's the story in this? Yeah. What is the way you connect? So that's how we started preparing to look at this. Okay. So you've got three minutes. Can you tell a story here? Can you throw in some data and can you talk to your audience? Another thing that you know comes up for me as you say that is I I feel very strongly with people that don't have a lot of experience with presentations is they've got to get connected to their why uh. and to their own intrinsic values as to why what it is they're talking about and what about it is important to them and conveying that to their audience um authentically. Yeah, that is such a good point. And I'm so glad you said that. I, I go to so many conferences because I'm speaking at them. There's a hypnotherapy conference. And there was this woman who I read her the description of what she was talking about. And I went, oh my God, this sounds incredible. I want to go see this. Yeah. A friend of mine and I, we walk into the room. It is packed. People are shoved in this room that should hold 
30 people. There's like 80 people that people are sitting on the floor and we're like, oh, okay. So we plop down on the floor in the aisle and we're watching. She has an hour and a half to do her talk. She spent the first 25 minutes talking about how she grew up and she was so rich and she had all these things. And I'm looking at my friend and we're both like, and I finally wrote to him verbal masturbation and I handed over the piece of paper. I'm like, <laughs> and and we, we finally both went, I'm fucking, I mean, we left. It was so hard, but we looked around the room and people were like, oh, they were enthralled with this. And I finally said to him, why is she telling us this? Yes. And, and, yes. and I tell yes. so many stories in my talks and it's not because I'm so great and I'm so funny. I am funny. I am great. That's not why I'm telling you the story. <laughs> yes, you are. You I'm telling you the story because there's a lesson to it because it leads you to this is the stress technique that I'm teaching you. And so I I encourage people to say, why are you telling me this? Why are you telling me this story? Why are you giving me that data? And to your point of knowing the audience, that is so huge. If I'm speaking to 911 dispatchers, I'm going to tell slightly different stories than if I'm speaking to single moms, than if I'm speaking to health and safety guys. If I have a room full of all men, I'm using my football metaphors. I'm not talking about the airy fairy hug it out sing kumbaya stuff i'm making it more practical so i think you know knowing your audience and asking yourself why are you telling this i think those are two huge key points i love it well it's interesting because you're talking about like three minute deals right and 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 this is where maybe comes back to the preparation and some of what you saw with that lady spending 25 minutes talking about herself right is you know brian tracy told me a long time ago and this was you know kind of a funny thing right but he's but he's you know talking with somebody and they're like well so what do you want me to do well we want you to do a 10 minute talk okay well that's going to cost x amount and i can do it in two weeks right well what if we hired you to do a one hour oh okay well it would be this amount maybe right. a, a little less right and 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 gets down to well hey i want you for a whole day well shit, we can start right now you know kind of thing because the the, the tighter you are in your time Yes. the more preparation you actually have to have, right? So, I mean, yes. it's the same thing. If somebody hires me to come in for a day, I don't have to prepare too much, exactly. right? I can, I can. there's a lot of stuff you can do. There's breaks, there's all exercises, all kinds of other stuff, right? But if somebody wants me for an hour, mm-hmm. right? I might spend five or eight hours preparing for a one hour speech, especially if it's a one that I haven't done before. Right. And again, it's that preparing who's the audience going to be. Right. When do I want to try to use which stories? Why am I trying to use those stories? What emotion am I trying to get them to feel right? And how am I going to weave this all together so that at the end of the hour, I get them to take the action or do whatever it is, my why behind why I'm actually talking. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, where you had that lady for an hour and a half, she's probably thinking, well, geez, you know, I've only got a half an hour worth of content. So I'm going to spend the first half hour telling them about me. Myself. Yeah. Yeah. So unprepared. (laughs) Well, she didn't have anything to say. That happens time and time again, too. Yeah, well, it's true. It could have been a 10 minute talk. Yeah. And because it was an hour and a half, she's like, I guess I have to BS my way through. And the fact that people were enthralled by that, I found appalling. And I actually talked to the organizer about it. And he goes, yeah, you're not the only person that complained about that. And she never spoke there again because she wasn't giving us anything of value. Right. It was weird. Okay. So know your why, prepare, don't over-prepare, don't under-prepare. Yeah. You you actually, and you reminded me of something else. Yesterday I had someone else that I worked with who 
has to do a 10 minute presentation in front of a board quarterly. And they were feeling all this pressure because it has to be, they have to say this and this and this and this and get all of this content in, right? And this is one of our first times working together. And I said, well, what would it look like if you had three points to make? Not 20, three. And just considered that less is actually more. And it was kind of a mind blowing, you know, thought of, wow, really? Especially since people something. like threes, right? There's a psychological <laughs> threes, reason for this too. Three's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I only, I have one joke where four is funny, which I won't tell because it's very dirty, but. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, after the call. After the call. So <laughs> Nicole, as you came up as a performer yeah. and what, what was your biggest, what was the note you always got? What was your biggest foible when you were either performing or speaking? Like, what was your block with it? Don't push. Ah. Yeah, don't push. I was absolutely one who tried really hard because uh. I wanted to do a good job and I wanted it to be perfect. And when I remember in college getting busted by my teacher. I mean, I did this monologue and I was literally standing, I, I wound up standing on a chair, you know, <laughs> emoting to the world. And, and I got off the chair. He's like, how was that for you? <laughs> you know? And, and it was in that moment that he really kind of, you know, stripped away that wall and the uh -huh. vulnerability came out. And I, and that's when I realized oh, this is what performing is about. It's vulnerable. Yeah. It's honest. Well, so, so uh, I want to I dig in on that a little bit, right? Yeah. Because a lot of people are talking about authenticity as oh. well, right? And so again, you see this from a, a kind of from a speaking standpoint too, right? When you put up that wall, when you're trying so hard, especially if you're trying to be someone else, right? Yeah. So a lot of times we'll will um, try to emulate somebody else, but it's not us, right? And so again, the audience can tell that's not really authentic. That's not really who Jason is, right? Which is why I do things a lot different. I bring in pop culture and musical references and other stuff yeah. just because that's, that's who I am, right? I wear colorful shirts. I always wear a hat, you know, doing different things like that, that, that is just me. But, you know, you can look at it even too, like, and I, and I think that's kind of where you're getting at too, with this don't push, don't try too hard as, yeah. as far as just be yourself, right? And so again, you can see if we go back into the, you know, actor realm, there's certain actors that are just really fucking good at certain roles. Why? Yeah. Because that's who they are, Yeah. right? I mean, Liam Neeson. Yeah. He does really good at a particular kind of role. He's a gentleman with particular skills. He's he is he's <laughs> someone with particular yeah. skills. Yeah. When when he tries to do a different role, it's not the same. It's right not. because you look at it and you're like, "Come on, dude, really? Mm -hmm. No, you know, you're the you're the rough and tumble badass guy, right?" And so when he tries to play maybe a, a character that doesn't really fit who we see him as yeah something just doesn't click and so it's the same thing when you're a speaker right is 
oh. you've got to speak the way that you are kind of authentically as well and not try to fit yourself in some box yes. because that's what people tell you you have to do. Yeah. And so much of that is perception. Because when I got my PhD, I changed my headshot to very corporate looking. And I, you know, all of my stuff was very, you know, I'm going to be going into corporations, so I must be there. I can't use my bad language and I must be very stilted in my speech, you know, and somebody said, what the hell's wrong with you? Like, you're hilarious and you're slightly irreverent and like, yeah, you can do this very, hi, I'm here in a suit to be corporate, but that's not you. And they don't want anybody, they, they want you to come in and do that thing. And I remember when I started putting the red streaks in my hair, my then husband now ex-husband goes, oh, well, that's going to look real professional. And I went, what? And he goes, if you're going into major corporations to get paid well, and you've got red streaks in your hair, what are they going to think? And I said, they are going to think that I'm a cool badass and that I'm going to teach them stuff that, you know, and, but I had to get out of that, the perception of, oh, geez, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a corporate speaker now. I must do this certain, no, they, they can see who I am on my website. They can see that I'm goofy. They can see that I'm fun, that I'm, that I, you know, that's what they want. That's what they hired me for. So you have to know, stay in your lane and just be true to yourself. Um, I, my, so I have a question yeah. for you that what, when you made that, that decision, that conscious choice, how, how did it land for you? Did it take a while or did you just sink right in? Or? Oh, it was a sink right in because yeah. it was a misperception. It was what I thought other people were going to, how I thought other people were going to respond to what I was doing. Yeah. And then I realized they don't care because I have some, some friends who are speakers who have shaved, you know, they have the sides shaved and they have all these crazy colors. And they, you know, I, I think about um, uh, Phil Gerbacek, who is on our, who he's always wears the crazy glasses or Brian Farno, who's from Pittsburgh, who everything's black and yellow because the Steelers. And, you know, it's like everybody has their thing that they like to do and you have to be authentic to yourself and be vulnerable. I love that you said vulnerable because when I, do my, I mean, you're opening yourself up on stage. And I tell so many personal stories. Some are very emotionally weighted, depending on the talk that I'm giving. And there's been times where I've teared up on stage and everyone's like, oh, you can't cry. It's like, sure I can. Because Why I take the you? audience on that yeah. journey with me. And if I start to tear up and I take that moment, they're all mesmerized. If it's authentic, I can't if manufacture that. Oh, I'm going to cry now. You guys better come with me. You know, <laughs> everyone cry. The eye drops. There we go. Yeah. <laughs> Onions backstage. Yeah. So how do you tap into that vulnerability and that honesty? How do I personally or tap into it? How for do them? you incur? How do you get people there? Cause that's scary for people. It is scary for people. I really, really try to create as safe a space as possible from the get-go. And it, some people jump right into the work and are willing to let go. And other people, it takes a while. So it's, it's a matter of, you know, I, th I actually, I think that's where the coactive training, coactive Institute has really been helpful in working with people um, because it is giving them, it's, it's holding that space for them to step into their vulnerability mm -hmm. and trust that they're not going to be judged by doing it. Right. But what so, if we mess up? We're going to mess, mess up. up. Yeah. What if you mess up? What if it's not perfect? What if you lean into the fear of not being perfect and do it anyway? What if? 
what might happen? I might die. Okay. You might. <laughs> I've never, I've never been to a conference though, right? Where they like, they, 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 they take the horn, you know, the, the, the shepherd's hook and like pull you off or pull you somebody off, off, and then you hear a gunshot in the back. You know, it's like, you suck. <laughs> that doesn't happen. That doesn't happen. It's, you know, there, there actually is a lot of work that I do with clients, some clients that have that fear of not being good enough or being judged. That's, you know, the saboteur work uh-huh. and, and taking that saboteur that's in your head and putting a face and a body on it and sticking it in the room and having a conversation with it yeah, and letting yeah. it know that it, it needs to be quiet. It needs yeah. to take a time out because you've got work to do. Well, and here's what I've noticed. When someone is trying really hard and being vulnerable and they screw it up, something happens and you can see them suddenly going, uh, uh, the audience is so compassionate for that. Yes. When I see the audience go, is when you're an arrogant, overconfident prick about what you're doing. That's when the audience goes, I'm out. You can see them shut down. Yeah. When you are trying your best and something gets screwed up, the audience is right there with you going, oh, oh, I'm rooting for you. You got this, you know? So yeah, failing is not the, you know, the, the screwing up is not the problem. It's being overly confident, unprepared, and kind of being a jerk about it is when the audience rebels. That's my, been my observation. Yeah, I think, well, and, but that ties me back to preparation. It's like, well, how are you preparing? Mm. Are you doing your research? Are you getting to know your audience? Because I always assume that if people have that arrogance about them, it is masking, it's a mask for fear. And it's the fear of the, of the judgment that mm-hmm. they might receive from the audience. But when you get, when you spend time imagining your audience, just imagining them, imagining what their life is like. What side of the bed do they get out of in the morning? What newspapers might they read? What is their social media influence? Where are their vulnerable points? It helps the speaker, I think, have more empathy Mm. for the audience. Because I mean, at least for me, I realize, you know what? They're human beings too, and they're having a human experience and they're vulnerable also. And if I'm willing to stand in my vulnerability, maybe it will create a space for them to stand in theirs and then the world becomes a better place. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you a question, you know, because we've been talking a lot of the uh, analogy or kind of stuff that we've been going along is, is kind of platform speaking too. Right. But I heard you mention something about working with executives and boards space. I know all too well, right. Having to stand up in front of the boards going in every quarter you, you know, and we were joking about, you know, you're not going to die, but in that, in that corporate political landmine environment, you might not die, but you could lose your job. I mean, there's a, there's a real chance if you go in, you totally fuck it up. You could lose your job, right? You could lose the confidence of the board, the other executives, and there's a whole, you know, political dynamic to it, especially in a lot of those situations where people will make certain comments or do other things to try to undermine you. So I'm, I'm interested too, as far as, you know, when you're coaching executives on this, are there maybe some different things 
that you're working with them on or to kind of consider that might be different than a platform speaker? I'm, I'm sensing. And the answer can be, the answer can be no, but (laughs) no, I, um, I just want to protect confidentiality and make sure. Oh, yes, yes. Um, I, this is not a direct yes or no for me. This is about my client getting clearly aligned with their values their personal values that they honestly have Mm -hmm. and the values that they have that they uphold for this company and being clear about those and then coming forward with their message from that place of of leadership and trusting. And yes, you are risking, but when we really know who we are and we come forward with courage and authenticity, if that board is, doesn't agree with what's happening there, maybe it's not a good fit. It's not a good fit. No. And what are your thoughts about that? No, I, I, t- I totally agree because again, you know, I look at it from a leadership perspective. If, I love where you went with that because I hadn't thought of that directly. Mm-hmm but it's, it's people with conviction that are going to be heard. And again, you know, like you said, your conviction may differ from other people in the organization, but honestly, there's a lot of weasels and weak people in very high positions in corporations that just are, you know, got the term yes, man, that, that just kind of go along. And that's not leadership. You know, that's just being a, you know, whiny, whiny little bitch puppet kind of thing, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's like, you know, having that, um, because again, a lot of the executives I deal with, sometimes they have to deliver difficult messages to executives and, and it doesn't go over well. I mean, I try to help them, you know, make it, make it easier, but it is, I think what you said, it's that alignment with your values and your conviction and actually speaking the message. I mean, you yeah. can soften it a little bit, but sometimes we just got to tell the hard truth. Sometimes the messenger is the one who gets shot, but that comes with the territory, you know? You, yeah, you just reminded me of a story. May I share it? It's, it's quick. Yeah. Um, my father, when he was alive, he was the director of a university in Illinois, not, not U of I, SIU Edwardsville. And there, I, I was young. Um, but something had happened where he was asked to, by his bosses, to go in front of the board and lie. Mm. And my father was a man of deep integrity. And he felt a ton of pressure about it. And he decided that he would comply because he feared losing his job. And he walked in to work I remember the story accurately. He walked, he walked in, he's walking up the steps of the building to go to this meeting and he had a heart attack and he didn't make it and he didn't have to tell the story, <laughs> right? He didn't have to tell the lie. Wow. But that to me affirms the importance of honoring your values in any type of presentation. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, that's and we, a powerful story, right? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, 
it's also going to be our last one because once again we're out of time i know i, know, ah! I can see you see and there was vulnerability in telling that story because i was starting to tear up with you <laughs> i know but right. yeah no it's it's i see Beautiful. that so much in corporate america and yeah. it, it's um yeah we we've got to stick to the values yeah. at the end of the day yeah. And we've talked about that so much, Jason and I, we've done episodes on values. We've talked about our values. We, you know, it's, it's, it's huge. That, that informs everything. That informs everything. This has been such a great conversation. Nicole, you're one of my favorite people. You're one of my favorite people. And Jason, I'm so glad to have met you. You're one of my new favorite people. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, Nicole, tell people where they can reach you, your websites, anything you have that you want to share yes. with people. Yes. My website is, my business is called Present. My website is www.present.llc. And you can reach me at Nicole at present.llc. Yeah, and, if you're, and I live in Jackson Hole, so if you're ever out in Jackson Hole, just look me up. I'll take you hiking. <laughs> oh, I'm there. Absolutely. Come on. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. Excellent. Oh, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for being here. I am Kathy Groover. I can be reached at kathygroover.com. And I'm Jason Mefford. I can be reached at jasonmefford.com. So go out, have a great rest of your week, and we'll catch you on the next episode of the Fire and Earth Podcast. See ya.